Welcome to the Unblocked Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Bramble and Rex. Alrighty, Hal, welcome back to another episode, episode number 14 of Unblocking Crypto. Uh, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about stablecoins, since we didn't really address that last week. Um, before we jump into that, though, let's talk about some of the news. I mean, there's a lot of really exciting things going on, so I'll let you get started first. Yeah, uh, so the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, this video that Janet Yellen going over Bitcoin and kind of just talking about the basics of Bitcoin. And the first time I saw it, it was on Twitter. And it looked like a deep fake, like it looked like a crappy uh, fake video with like a crappy fake green screen. And she sounds kind of like a robot. So it was like, this doesn't seem real. So I kind of dismissed it. But like it kept popping up and it really, a lot of people were kind of questioning, is this real or not? And a lot of people were like, yeah, this is real. Here's a link. And uh, so I listened to it and it was basically her talking about Bitcoin in a way that made you think she had done some research or at least had been briefed uh, on like what Bitcoin actually is instead of just reading a headline about illicit use or power consumption and kind of dismissing it. So like we've mentioned it, I think this is the third or fourth time we've mentioned like the Janet Yellen, like the, the, the turning of the Titanic that is, you know, the SEC and, uh, and the Fed uh, to kind of come around to the fact that like Bitcoin is part of the environment and it's not like just some uh some some security that some guy owns that he's pushing and pumping uh but it's like it's something that's not going to go away and that america should probably position itself to be in uh in a good spot to take advantage of it and innovate around it and um and so it was i mean it was so weird that my inclination was to believe it was fake until i could mostly convince myself that it was real because it just appeared to be fake. But it's a great sign, right? Janet Yellen, like we said, it's like somebody's in Janet Yellen's ear saying, hey, let's let's uh, let's start turning the tide on on what the federal opinion of Bitcoin is. So it's I think it's a great uh, a great step in the right direction. It, it's almost like she read the white paper, the Bitcoin white paper, which is one of those things that I think everybody should do almost getting started. Right. Um, but it, she was super positive in what she was saying, which is light years different from what it was a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like typically she takes opportunities to inject like the normal negativity about fear, uncertainty and doubt of like normal Bitcoin potential problems and whatever. And this was just like it was like pretty fact based and forward looking. Uh, so that's that was noteworthy, I thought. Um, the second piece for me is we've talked about and some if you listen to like institutional investors you know as interest rates come up bonds go down the value of bonds go down because the new bonds that are issued have a higher interest rate attached to them so we're seeing that now um it's been talked about for a year when interest rates are zero they can't go down anymore so bond values don't go up and uh the bond market is interesting because it's huge. It's it's like three or four times as big as the, the stock market, the equities market. So it's over a hundred trillion dollars. And all of them are making negative real yields because inflation is at least eight percent. And I think most people believe it's more because 
not everybody cares so much about buying what's in the basket of goods for the CPI. Um, a lot of people like to buy investments and like to buy assets. So if you'd like to buy assets, your inflation rate's higher because look at real estate, look at um, the stock market. And so the bond market in decline, um, a lot of these people have to feel the pain before they realize something bad is happening. Um, I actually, I was in a small bond position for if, municipal bonds because they're tax-free. And I actually had a call uh, a few weeks ago with the bond guy that is attached to my financial guy. And I was like, why am I still like, why should talk to me? Why should I still be in bonds? And he talked to me about all this stuff. And I'm like, well, explain to me why bonds are going to make money. <laughs> He's, he just started talking about this stuff. And I'm like, give me out of all these bonds. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> so, so like, I had a tiny, a, a pretty small position in bonds. I'm like, all right, I want out. I'm, I'm done. There's no benefit. I'm, I'm, there's no reason for me to be in these. And so, um, and then they've gone down, they've gone down ever since. And I think one of the, what does this mean for Bitcoin, right? This is a kind of a Bitcoin crypto podcast. So um, the people that hold bonds typically are, uh, they're focused on like fixed income. They want to they know what their returns are going to be. Even if that, I mean, there's a hundred trillion plus dollars that are chasing one or 2% when inflation's 8% or more. So like, it's not like what, people that are our age and our investment mentality is, which is like, I need to increase my buying power. I've worked hard to earn this money. I need to put it in a vehicle that will beat inflation so that I worked hard. I invested my money. My money is now worth more and my money is not worth less. I'm not discounting my previous labor. And so what most of these people are looking for fixed income, a lot of pensions are into fixed income because they need to guarantee that they can pay out their pension uh, for employees that may live to be 90 or 100 years old. Um, you've got big institutional investors with big money in there. And they're starting to feel the pain of like, I mean, a 5% loss in a bond fund that was making 2.5%. I mean, you're losing years of gains. And so uh, this is going to start to chase the the money out of the bond market, which some of that money can flex out of bonds um, if the El Salvador bond delay had something to do with this and they're trying to catch some of this bond money that's running away from the traditional bond market, that could be uh, a pretty smart play. I don't know if that's the case, but you've got a ton of money chasing, like trying to find yield and Bitcoin. And we're, we're going to talk about stable coins today. Um, you know, these are places where you can go from, all right, I've got, I've got money that I, I need to see yield and I'm losing my tail. Like you don't have to lose, like the stock market you're used to seeing like, man, we lost 10% over the last six months or whatever. Bond markets aren't used to that, right? The, the interest rate in 40 years ago was 15% and it's kind of just gone down for the last 40 years. So there's very few people in bonds that have seen bonds, bonds go down. So um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what where this money goes and how fast it goes there. But it, it's got to be uh, there's got to be a flight from bonds in the, in the near term because these guys have to make money. Uh, they can't just eat losses. 
because they've got to pay out pensions. I saw an interesting stat recently that talked about 72% of financial advisors would put more of their clients into crypto if they had a spot back ETF, right? Which is getting closer to kind of a, a bond type product. Um, and since most people are either looking at stocks or bonds, if you go away from bonds, that's a hundred trillion dollars that needs to go somewhere else or even a portion of it. Um, when the entire crypto space is what sub two trillion, <laughs> oh yeah, it doesn't it, take much from the, it, from the bond market to really pump up the crypto side of things. No, it, it doesn't take much at all. If you t and this is global too, so I mean, I, I don't know what the global bond market is. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely over a hundred trillion dollars. So if you take if you take five hundred billion dollars and pump it into Bitcoin, you're going to increase the market cap by a trillion and a half, give or take. So you're talking about going from eight hundred billion to over two trillion in market cap. So that would put you in six figure Bitcoin uh, if you could get a half a percent of the global bond market. So that's like these are the reasons why. But Bitcoin people are optimistic. Um, you've got Janet Yellen talking good about Bitcoin. You've got bond money that has to go somewhere. Like not all of it. Some of those guys will just keep keep writing it down. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, there's, again, there's reasons to be positive about Bitcoin, despite, you know, things are, the economy's not great. Yeah, so, so some other news on my side. Um, I know we've talked about Ethereum, the triple happening and the merge happening in, in June. Uh, that's It's come out and been delayed a couple of months. Uh, there's no exact timetable, which is not out of the ordinary. It seems to be normal in this space, right? I mean, everything usually uh, takes longer than expected. Um, so... We're thinking August, September, October, maybe we'll, we'll find out when that time starts to approach. Um, but the other interesting piece to Ethereum is that they released, um, there's 12 companies that hold about $700 million of Ethereum on their balance sheet, which is a pretty positive sign. Uh, and then the one other thing tied to that, I, I know if you're paying attention to crypto, You've seen it go down for the past week or so, and I guess it's popped up in the last 24, 48 hours. But one of the things that you're seeing, I know we talked about um, on-chain analytics a couple of weeks ago, the supply on the exchanges, uh, specifically Bitcoin, is falling very quickly. And the past uh, four times, I think, it's happened and reached a certain level that's kind of triggered the, 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 the low for that time period and then it kind of takes takes off from there so fingers crossed so that's what happens and the history keeps repeating itself right um but uh well, we can only hope <laughs> oh i mean it's it's like everything with bitcoin it's like well it, eventually it's going to go up so like you, I, I like looking at that stuff and i like you know the 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 hit of hopium but uh but yeah man it's like you pay attention to enough metrics it's like okay yeah that's good news that's good news that's good news they're like, but oh, by the way, the global economy and uh, the energy market in general is is rough. So, you know, people are, I think people, there's a lot of scared money out there right now. Um, I don't think a lot of scared money goes into crypto, not not in a big way. So uh, I think I, I'm pretty happy that we've been kind of like holding it 40 grand as like, it looks kind of like a new floor uh, in the 40s and, and high 30s. And I don't know that we've had a floor since like 3000, like, because I mean, that's where we were, what is this? So yeah, two years ago. So if in two years, the floor goes from three to 4,000 to 35 to 40,000, that's a pretty good, 
that's a pretty strong move in two years. Yeah. Um, and, so yeah. And, and the sad part is everybody wants it to be a lot more. <laughs> so right. You're talking about a 15 or 12, 13X, right? And that's not enough. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's jump to stable coins. I, I know uh, maybe, of course, we always preface everything with we're not financial advisors or anything. And this is definitely not a, a strong point for either one of us just because I don't think either one of us spend a lot of time in stable coins. Um, no, I, I I don't spend much time in U.S. dollars on exchanges. Like, <laughs> mine's real easy. Like, oh, I want to buy Bitcoin. Okay, here's some dollars. And I'll convert that to Bitcoin. Like, I'm, I'm, my... my, uh, my operations on exchanges are pretty simple. Yeah, so so maybe we'll start off by talking about what stable coins are and then why you would use them. And then we can kind of go into some more details. Um, do you want to uh, start with your perspective on, on what they are? Yeah, so it's in from a high level, if you don't really want to understand them in depth, they're really easy. It's basically they're a, a, a digital token that's pegged to um, an asset like typically and what we'll talk about almost exclusively today is the us dollar so basically instead of um having a digital asset like bitcoin that goes up and down based on market demand this is a digital token that is pegged to the us dollar and they're backed by various assets without much transparency of how how well they're backed um but the fact that so basically what it allows you to do is you can co go in with us dollars convert those into a stable coin and the ones that i am aware of and know a little bit about are, are tether usdt um usdc which is circle and coinbase's stable coin um ust which is the luna stable coin that's made a lot of noise because they're backing there's with bitcoin um Paxos has one USDP, Gemini, the Gemini dollar, GUSD. So there's a lot of them and they're all equal to a dollar if you look at, if you look at their price. So, um, or they try to stay equal to a dollar. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's like 0.995 and yeah. 1.01 and stuff like that. But they, they work to be pegged to the dollar, um, which I think people in America are like, well, that sounds easy to do because it's a dollar. But if you're talking about a global asset that can be exchanged for other global assets, the dollar isn't stable against global assets. The price of oil in dollars moves. Everyone knows that. And then you know about exchange rates into other currencies like the euro and, you know, the yen and the yuan and all of these things. So like, but if you're in America, you only use dollars, 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 like you're just, you live in a stable environment. So this might take a minute to kind of consume and understand that like, oh, you're looking at buying something against like everything's moving. Um, you're just happen to be always standing on the on the planet that has the dollar. Um, when you start to jump to other other planets and you realize that the dollar planet's moving and now you're on a moving planet as well. Uh, how do you how do you keep the dollar pegged? Um, it's a little bit more of a challenge. So, um, you know. To me, those are kind of the big ones. I think it's nice, it, you know, for people that get into crypto and go jump from exchange to exchange to buy different assets, they can they, they can go to their trusted exchange that they connect to their checking account. They can go into U.S. dollars 
and then they can convert those dollars into a stable coin and then they can bounce from that exchange to any other exchange without take without taking any risk of jumping into ether and paying gas fees or jumping into bitcoin and taking price risk uh it's always pegged to the pegged to the dollar yeah i mean i think i think a couple of things one getting into crypto in general a stable coin specifically is mainly to withstand the volatility of crypto right it, there's some very large swings um, but being in a stable coin really allows you to have um, mobility and accessibility around the world and, and in anything that you want, right? So, I mean, you look at, we, we've talked about DeFi in the past and what the stable coins allow you to do is you get in the DeFi space, which at the end of the day, you can have access to financial contracts without applications. Um, you can avoid a lot of the financial middlemen, mainly the banks and all the fees that they charge. Um, so there are some advantages of using stable coins. And then we can talk about some of the, the rates that you can get later on. Um, another couple of things to add from what I see, and it's difficult because not all stable coins seem to be created equal. Um, a lot of the guys are out there are trying to do monthly audits, right? And um, their reserves are, for the most part, cash-based assets, although there is gold, precious metals, even other cryptos um, that they have as reserves. And from my perspective, I think there's really two main types of stable coins. One is a reserve-based, um, and the second one being an algorithmic, algorithm, I can't even say that word. Algorithmic? Yes, thank you. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I think I don't really understand how the algorithms are going to keep a currency where it needs to be. So that doesn't make sense to me, especially if there's a uh, a bug in the code, right? Um, from a reserve perspective, there's probably two different directions you can go from there. And one is centralized and one is decentralized. Um, so with some of the censorship that's happening around the world, Decentralized might be nice because if it's centralized, it can still be locked or frozen. Um, the the benefit of maybe being centralized would be if somebody hacked your accounts, uh, the centralized location could freeze those that money until something was determined who was correct or incorrect, right, and transferred back if needed. Right. So. Um, Okay, so that talks about what they are, why you would use them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm struggling in almost describing people how they work, right? Because um, there still seems to be a little bit of a black box in there on how it officially ties. The, the one thing that I can somewhat describe is the, um, some of the de decentralized uh, stable coins, they do kind of a, uh, their assets are based on other cryptos typically. Um, and there is a algorithm that's, um, you only get about 50% of the asset or so that you put up. So if that asset drops a lot, your collateral gets called and everything's good. Is that the way you understand it? Yeah. So in my mind, like to just make it super simple as to how, how a stable coin could work. This isn't how they do work. It's like every time somebody puts a dollar into a stable coin, that stable coin collects the dollar, puts it in a vault, 
and issues you a token that's equal to that dollar. And so if $5 billion worth of U.S. dollars gets converted from U.S. dollars into Tether, all of that cash is secured away and, and dollar for dollar it's issued in Tether. And then if you want to convert back from Tether into U.S. dollars, they go back into the vault and they convert those back to dollars. So in my head, that's how it would work if everything was simple. But they don't do it that way because they're, they're, they take on a little bit of risk. They're not fully backed. They're back. And then instead of just dollars, they'll use commercial paper. They'll use treasuries. You know, if they can get a couple percent. On, I mean, this kind of goes back to the bond conversation we had in the news. Like if they can get a percent and a half, no matter what inflation is, they're only trying to back a dollar. So we, they all they need to do is make a percent and a half. Then they're actually doing better. Um, so that's kind of how I view it. But that isn't really how it works. So that's maybe a good way to start your understanding of stable coins. And then the deeper you look into it, the more you can kind of peel back like, okay, X percent of this stablecoin is backed by dollars because they're taking the risk that not, you know, let's say 70% of the state of, of Tether is backed by commercial paper, cash, treasuries, whatever. Well, as long as 70% of the, the Tether on out in the market doesn't try to cash in, then they are solvent. They can pay those debts. Um, so that doesn't feel great to me because what if 80% does and there's like a run on tether, that would be a problem. Um, so I, I'm not uh, I'm not sure how to make people feel good about stable coins because I don't use them very much because I like, it would be great to put some cash in and get some of these yields that we'll talk about in a minute uh, in stable coins because it's better than what you get anywhere else. Um, assuming you could always convert your stable coins back into U.S. dollars and that they're not going to be regulated in a way. I mean, Tether's based out of Hong Kong. Um, UST is uh, the Luna Network, which I think is South Korea. Uh, so, you know, it's not like these are FDIC insured banks that play by all these regulations that are, you know, a decade or more old. The government just hasn't really figured out what they're going to do. Um, I do think that stablecoins have a long runway. I think, honestly, I think the government's not interested in putting together a, a CBDC themselves. I think they'll use stablecoins to do it. And um, and so, I don't know. You know, there might be some choppy choppy waves in between where we are now and you know a a, a regulated stablecoin. Um. But yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of my understanding of how they work, and that's kind of how I get it in my head. Um, you give them a dollar, they give you a token, they lock that dollar away. You want to get your dollar back, you give them the token, they give you your dollar back. Um, so that's you know that's my view of it. Yeah. Um, so to compare that to like what banks do today, I mean, most banks have um, somewhere between zero and ten percent of all their total assets in reserve. Right, and the bigger you are, the, the closer you are to ten percent. If you're just small and the, the less than fifty million or whatever the number is, then you're at zero percent of your money and assets. So, a, a run on the bank can happen very easily these days, right? Everything is somewhat digital with the Swift program there. 
um, what to me like the, the one of the best view values or I shouldn't say values best um, stable coins out there that is somewhat completely backed by other assets is um, is die right make a dot make a die make a dow whatever that one is yeah um, that is completely backed on the ethereum to where if you put in one ethereum you get um, half ethereum worth of stable coins back so that if your ethereum ever drops down to less than 50 percent um, your stable coin pretty much your collateral gets burnt and that stable coin exists, right? So it's it's really weird how the, all that happens, but it's kind of the same concept where they have a reserve sitting in uh, a wallet somewhere so that if you need it uh, or if they need it, they can have it, but it's, it's locked up until you turn it, you, you, you ask for it back. Right, yeah, if you're, it, it's nice. The, the nice thing about crypto is that you can tell, right? Like it's the, when you talk about being auditable in that situation, if your crypto's, if your stable coin's back with crypto, then you can audit it fairly easily. Um, you know, you mentioned banks and stuff. Like you used to have fractional reserve banking where a bank could loan out $6 for every dollar they held in reserve. And they did away with that. Right. So they can just lend as much money as they like and they don't, it, reserves aren't and there's no auditing. I don't know how much how much reserves my banks hold. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter as long as everything's good. And that seems to be the mentality of how the world works right now, which is like, yeah, whatever. It seems like it works. Let's keep doing it. Uh, and, it and it works until it doesn't. But, yeah, if you're if you're if if you have a, a stable coin that's basically 50% collateralized by the reserves held but that and those reserves can be just cashed back out i guess 2 to 1 right so if you put your maker dow back into um, the exchange and then you get double the value of ether back then yeah i guess you're they couldn't be run on because anytime that that ethereum drops below 50% then they're effectively margin called on those stable coins right exactly yeah so that one like that one probably works and that one is like works like the way i think and not like you know some of these that are mostly backed by assets yeah that are 99 percent backed or 101 percent backed right it's it's hard for it to be truly backed 100 percent at all times without having another way of handling it yeah well, it's also like impossible to audit if you're backed by cash and treasuries. Like by the time it, you got an auditor there and audited it, a month would go by and everything would be different. And you you wouldn't know if you're, you're backed or not because you'd be issuing more stable coins. Um, whereas with crypto, you could just run a program based on the wallets that are owned by the entity that's issuing the stable coin. And you can determine the value of the Ethereum held in reserves. You can determine the value of the stable coin issued. And then you can have an immediate or real time knowledge of, of how the, the stable coins back. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's one of those seems better than the other. So, so let's talk about 
I think what most people will be interested in is one, where do you even buy them or invest in them? And what type of, why would you invest in them? What are the rates look like? Um, so I'll let you kind of start on what you found on your end. And... Yeah. So, you know, I, I use BlockFi. I've talked about it in previous podcasts. Um, and so like, that's the, kind of the first place I went to be like, okay, well, if I had stable coins and I like, if I, like if I go to, if I go to Coinbase or whatever exchange and I convert my U S dollars into USDT, and now I can zip them around. I can zip around my stable coins into other exchanges and crypto friendly banks. Um, With BlockFi, though, I don't think U.S. invest non accredited investors have an option to do that anymore. Though, you know, I think you're right. So, so, so I got well. It's all the same. Let's yeah. just say the BlockFi, Celsius, Nexo type of um, type of online crypto bank. Right. Let's just call it. Let's just call them crypto banks, because they're not they're not DeFi, right? They're they're like a traditional. They're like a hybrid between a traditional bank and um and a, and like a crypto DeFi algorithmic bank. Um. So what you could do, and if you're an accredited investor, which I I think they upped the requirement to five million dollars to be an accredited investor, but what basically it's simple. It's just like putting money in a savings account. You deposit it in to the crypto bank and they give you right now it's between seven and seven and a quarter percent uh, return. So that's way better than what you get virtually everywhere else uh, as far as return, like guaranteed returns. And I say guaranteed returns. They change these rates often, uh, like monthly at least. I, or I feel like it's monthly. Um, but it's still at 7% right now. Um, and you don't have to do anything. You just let it sit there. So that's like, to me, that's like the simple, easy, you know, if you're new to Bitcoin and new to crypto, that's something easy to understand. Um, yeah, it's probably worth saying like BlockFi is currently being regulated and trying to discuss regulations with what I guess is the SEC, uh, as the regulating body. And so they have kind of everything frozen right now. Like I have, I have funds in BlockFi that I'm still receiving interest on. I can withdraw those funds, but I can't deposit more funds. Um, and, you know, I, I don't feel like that there's a risk. I haven't just withdrawn all my funds and ran away because it seems scary. Like it doesn't like the communication that I've been looking at is basically, uh, you know, we're just waiting to get through the regulation, but if, and then we can reopen. Like we basically, they 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 pushed the line too far. The regulator said, "Hey, we need to regulate this. Pause everything. You, we're not going to uh, seize funds." Uh, and there's a future where this is fine, but right now we're not going to let you accept any additional funds. I think Celsius might be in the same boat, or, or about to be in the very a very similar boat. Um, but it seems to be as long as you're outside the U.S., everything is normal. It's just inside the U.S., the government is protecting us. <laughs> <laughs> protecting now, us from those dangerous seven <laughs> percent return. Yeah. Uh, uh, so your grandfathered in if you have it in for sure, because I'm keeping mine in the same. I'm not touching it. There's no reason to at this point. Um, but there are still other places like Voyager that you can get those type of returns. I mean, they're almost I guess for now, right? There's talk about that going away at some point too, that they'll be looked at. But 
uh, I guess at this point, it's get in while you can be grandfathered in and <laughs> let everything happen and go from there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, there's growing pains in crypto and being an early in innovation. Um, this is part of it. And then, so that's like what, what I would say is like online crypto bank returns. And then there's like DeFi type returns. Um, the one that I know the most about, because I have a friend here that does it, is using the Anchor Protocol to get returns on UST, which is backed by Bitcoin or is currently being backed by Bitcoin and uh, the Luna token. And they're up to like 19% and change. Um, I've got a friend of mine. I've, I met a person in town that <clears throat> every morning they get a loan against their Luna. They deposit it you know, onto the Anchor Protocol and earn uh, return all day. And then before they go to bed, they withdraw it and return it to Luna because they don't want to go to sleep and wake up and find that they've been margin called on their loan against the Luna. So anyway, it's... Uh, <laughs> She said it costs her a quarter in the morning and a quarter at night to to get twenty percent on her money for half of the time, and uh, and she you know they had a decent amount of money in there, so it was like it was worth it to them to be able to sleep at night. Um, but that's kind of like I don't blame them <laughs> because this is I mean it's a weird world, man. And like if you're not fully, I mean, some people are just like, yeah, this is just the new this is the new way that the world's going to operate, and I'm just early. And some people are like, yeah this seems super sketchy. I'm willing to halfway do it. And so you can, but I mean, it's what bank can you get a loan in the morning for a quarter closing cost and then pay off that loan for a quarter at night and then do that every single day and make 19% uh, by depositing your loaned money into a different account. That is very interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's my, that's my, the, the, the most interesting uh, stable coin yield story that I've I've got personally. Yeah, so I think what you, I mean, yielding it is probably one of the safest ways, right? Because you're holding it the entire time. There are other, other options out there. I know KuCoin allows you to lend it out, um, which you're going to get something very similar to the 20% by lending it out to people. The platforms like KuCoin, and I'm sure there's other ones out there that are doing it too, are handling a lot of that work for you and somewhat insuring it, but I still don't understand if it's completely insured. Um, so it, I don't know how anything could be, ever be completely insured. I mean, even stuff in the bank is FDIC insured only up to like 250K, right? So um, there are lots of options and all stable coins allow you to do is pretty much explore the DeFi world and get into almost whatever you want at this point. So. Yeah, and to add to like this is not investment advice. I would argue that I really don't understand how you can re you can get seven percent, much less twenty percent returns on your stablecoin in a sustainable business model for the the, the person issuing that seven or nineteen percent because they need to be making money on that, which means they're making ten or twenty five percent. And I don't know who's paying twenty five percent for cat for money right now because money's the cheapest thing out there, even with interest rates bumping up. Some. Well, typically with a bank, if they have a dollar in assets, they're loaning it out 10, 15 times, right? So even if they're making five percent, you're making probably fifty to seventy five percent on that dollar, right? So I think the whole concept of DeFi is taking that and spreading it back 
to uh, the individual token holder, shareholder versus the bank taking it all. I still don't understand if this is really happening in the, in the stablecoin space. Um, so there's still a lot of questions, I think, for, from both of our perspectives on how this really works. It seems to be working and it Tether survived their uh, assault on are they really holding all the assets or not here recently. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what happens next. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested if it was and this is another piece, too, like I don't hold I like right now I'm kind of holding more cash than I normally do because everything is really weird. Um, I would love for that cash to be making 7% or 20%, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm not doing it because I just don't get it. Uh, it seems risky and it seems weird and uh so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting on cash and I know it's getting inflated away at almost 1% a month. I'm like, that's awful. But maybe I'm talking myself into buying some stable coins and getting 7% back. Well, I, to me, the one that's intriguing, um, if you, have you heard of the Akala network? No. It was, uh, so we've talked about Polkadot before, right? One yeah. of the smart contract platforms. Akala was... I think the first parachain slot winner on the Polkadot network. And one of the things that they've done is created a stable coin. It's AUSD and it is backed by uh, not only some of the Polkadot big chains, but also Bitcoin, Ethereum and a few others. Um, but it is similar to um, DAI where it's crypto backed not 100%. Um, and then the benefit is with Polkadot, it can be used across all their different platforms. Uh, so the Polkadot ecosystem has a hundred of the parachain slots, right? That all talk to each other. And then tons of other chains on top of that, that all connect through those main hundred slots. So having that will theoretically be really good. Um, but it's, I mean, I'm not in it now, right? I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I agree with you. I, I want to put uh, some portion of my gains in stable coins because I don't like putting it into cash. Um, but I, man, I'm, I'm still working on getting up the, the courage to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in, for me, a stable coin is like you get, the, you get some of the risk that you get by getting into crypto but there's not a lot of upside. Like your stable coins aren't going to go from a dollar to a dollar fifty. But if your stable coin is held in a on a on an exchange or by a third party, and that third party is hacked, and your stable coin is, is seized by a nefarious actor, that's the same risk you have being on an exchange and holding whatever crypto that has a chance of depreciating. So. For me, is is seven percent worth that risk um, of that third party, you know, or that third party just collapsing uh, under the weight of a bad business model, you know, that is made by people that didn't really understand what they were doing. It doesn't feel doesn't feel great for me to put money into stable coins or, you know, into things that I don't really understand that well. Um, so, so that's kind of, that, that's the sort of thing that holds me back from jumping into stable coins and, and using them to generate yield. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think and this is going to start to go a little more technical than we probably should be going, but um, a lot to me, one of the ways that I can somewhat justify it in my head is that people are borrowing stable coins to do yield farming and getting some very good returns on yield farming, which then turns around into, okay, we'll give a little bit back to those of us, those of the, those people that are using, giving us their stable coins to borrow for a little while. Um, so I keep hoping that that's how it's happening. Um, but I think the problem with crypto in general is there's so many different things to look at and to try to be an expert in all of these is next to impossible. Uh, right. So this is almost us trying to persuade ourselves that stable coins are going to be okay to use in the future, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's going to be do your own research as always. Uh, um, and we'll kind of see what, where it goes from there. Yeah. Agreed. Well, cool. Well, I think that's a, a good a short primer on, on crypto in general or on stable coins. Is there anything else uh, that makes sense to, to leave the audience with before we leave? Um, no, I think, uh, you know, the, if you're looking for a yield in stable coins, you know, just, just be aware that you can also get yield through staking um, and, and holding crypto on those like crypto uh, online crypto banks. So it's not as though you have to be in stable coins in order to generate yield. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've maybe over exhausted my knowledge of stable coins in this one. Well, just to throw out another idea of what a stable coin could look like. One of the things that is actually a stable coin is a WPTC, the wrapped WBTC wrapped Bitcoin, right? So you have a Bitcoin on the Ethereum blockchain um, where that, um, token is actually collateralized by the Bitcoin network and it's locked in Ethereum until you want it back. So um, there's lots of different types of, of stable coins. I think the big thing is the regulation is still super unclear. Um, like we talked about, hopefully the U.S. does not go to a centralized digital currency. Uh, I know Senator Loomis is thinking that's going to be the case, that we're going to stay away from it just because that's the way America has typically been, um, but there will probably continue to be growing pains on stable coins, at least for the next few years, as um, everybody starts to figure out what they are and how to use them. Right. Cool. Well, Hal, as always, thanks for joining, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Right. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.